this morning? Come on and say, Ready, Freddy. All right, we're going to go into our next message in the series of Resurrection Hope. I'm going to talk to you today about discouragement. How many of you ever been discouraged at least one time in your life? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think discouragement uh, happens to us, and I want you to grab hold that the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what Jesus Christ has done, can change the way we think, it can change the way we are, it can change everything about our life if we take God and put him in the center of our heart and life. He is the author of life. He is the maker and sustainer of everything seen and unseen. We take advantage of all this, everything that we see here on earth, but earth is like a little dust ball, is like a speck when you think about the universe in which God had created and the immense of it all. So that being said, I want you to understand as we talk today, God's hope devours discouragement. God's hope devours discouragement. If you can put the PowerPoint on for me, one. I want you to understand something. There's this letter hope is not just a nice word. It's a hope because we can overcome every life's greatest challenges when you get your eyes on Jesus Christ. The problem is, the problem is each one of us want to do life on our own way. We want to do it kind of our way. We, you know, we want Burger King. I want to do it my way. Or Frank Sinatra. Come on, you want to sing it together? I've done it. Come on. That was terrible. That was terrible. Wait, try that again. I did it. Yeah, that was all right. <laughs> but that's how we want to live life. We want to do life our way, our song, our menu. But we forget about the creator who made you, sustains you, and does things for you that you don't even realize he was involved with you, even when you didn't know he was involved. And so I want to really remind you today. So last week we talked about the darkest days, darkest days, God's hope gives light. In the darkest days, God gives light. And Mary Magdalene had a really dark day when all of a sudden her Savior, her Lord, her her one that she loved so much was crucified. And she went to the tomb and she expected to find a dead body. But she found an empty tomb. Her day got worse because then she's thinking someone took the body. But when things seem so worth, not only is he dead, now someone took the body, now he's gone. This, this day can't get worse. How many have ever said that? This day cannot get worse. Any worse than that? I mean, if I have one more thing happens, I'll tell you what, I am going to scream. Anybody ever said that before? Yeah, sure. Well, she had a bad day. But in a moment, she meets Jesus, resurrected. All of a sudden, her darkest day turned into the brightest day of her life, which impacted her for the rest of her life. So sometimes we look at our moments we go through, and we just see the moment, but we do not see the bigger picture. Somebody say bigger picture. And we need to get the mind frame to get God's bigger picture. His ways are higher than our ways. And we always think, well, you know, he's like us. He's not like us. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, 8, 9, his ways higher than our ways. As high as the heaven from the earth, his ways are higher than your ways. And so I want you to get this today because this is important. And we're going to be talking about devastating losses. God will give joy in devastating losses. When you have a devastating loss, how does God's joy show up in the difficult time like a loss? Oh, how about in this? We'll be talking about in times of discord, in time of disunity, in time of hurt, a time of separation, a time of the crazy world that everybody's at everybody. Neck nowadays, that God can bring unity and bring a wonderful work of hope. Today, I want to talk to you about discouragement. And in the midst of discouragement, God wants to do a work in you. I want, I want you to look at this word discouragement, discouragement. It comes from two words, really. It actually comes from a French word. It means this. This is to take away. Anytime you get the main word and you have this in front of it, it's taken away whatever it is. You know, discomfort. Comfort is. I like it. It's nice. Discomfort, not comfortable. It takes away. So this in front of any word, the, the uh, uh, prefix would be a this. It takes away. Courage means strength. So when you discourage someone... You can think of it as you're taking their courage away, their strength away, their enthusiasm away. And we got to be careful sometimes because sometimes we say things off the cuff to people that we don't know what type of day they're having. And you may think you're joking, but that can be a, a little saying that could just throw them for a loop. 
And so our words we speak to one another are important. And we think it's all in fun, but you don't know the house that that person's living in. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what they've gone through. You don't know the hurt. You don't know what they've been going through. So you go up to them and you just, ah, you know, you'll never, you're, you're, you're a big zero. <laughs> Everybody wants to hear that. Yay. <laughs> I remember a time when I was working, I've had many jobs, and uh, one of my jobs working with a bunch of fruits. <laughs> and uh, I was in a grocery store. <laughs> I was in a grocery store, and I was in the produce department, and I was working. I had this economic major who just was just antagonistic. And he would come in every day, every day. I would have to listen to him. Well, Corkum's working with me, the big zero. The big zero's on, on the thing. You know, and he just would, you know. And I wasn't saved back then, and you understand me, I was a whole different person back then. And I thought about taking off his head, and I was quite capable of doing something like that. And I got in a lot of trouble for doing things like that. And, and, and I said, but I lose my job, and I need a job, so therefore it ain't worth it. But this guy was antagonistic. But I didn't realize, years down the line, how he kept on telling me that I was a big zero. I started almost to believe it at moments in my life. Because what people say to you can impact, impact, impact you. You know, they say this, and I like this saying, that children are like wet cement. Whatever falls on them will leave an imprint for the rest of their life. That's why my little PS onto it is therefore leave godly impressions. Your words are important. And so we want to talk about discouragement because we're going to talk about Peter. How many like the character of Peter? Yeah, I do. We, I, can, I can relate to Peter. <laughs> Yeah, let me, let me share three stages of discouragement. The first stage is a mild stage, and that says we all have days that we get discouraged. You know, it can be something simple. It doesn't have to be big. And so a mild discouragement is, you know, someone says you're discouraged, but maybe people don't know you're discouraged. You kind of hold it in. It's, 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 it's manageable. Okay, that's mild discouragement. It's usually for a short season or a short time. And then we have strong discouragement. Now, strong discouragement is totally different. A strong discouragement is when not only do you feel it because of the pressures and problems, uh, but now all of a sudden everybody knows you're down, you know. John, yeah, he hasn't come out of his house and he doesn't even want to open his shades. Yeah, good indication that he's discouraged. And then, of course, there's one level even more, disabling discouragement. And disabling discouragement is so much that they are now overwhelmed. Someone say overwhelmed. And sometimes they get to a point where we get so overwhelmed with all the pressures and problems that all of a sudden it affects us, every, it affects us physically, it affects us spiritually, it affects us in, in mentally. Every area of our life, we cannot even think. We don't, and here it goes, I don't care. The light, the, the light don't come in the room. Uh, we don't want to talk to anybody because they have gone from discouragement to depression. And that's where somebody needs to step in. So I'm going to ask you this and lay a foundation here, but what are ways or things in your life that you get discouraged on? Because we know what God's word says, but most times people are not reading God's word. So if you don't read God's word and you don't get God's word in your heart, what are you going to use when you're discouraged? What are you going to use when someone says something to you and says, hey, Brian, you're a big zero? Because when they say that to me now, I'm like, I'm confident. I'm being confident in the very thing that he which begun a good work in me shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He starts a work. He works a work. He finishes the work because my God rules and reigns. The reason why that happens, though, is because God is in the house because I've been in his word and his word is in me. So when the word is in me, when situations and circumstances come, I am reminded of what my God has said to me. I am reminded that his word rules, rules and reigns. I'm reminded, and because I'm reminded, I now stand on a different premise. I now stand on a different foundation. I know whom I am and who I believe in. But there are four areas I just want to talk to you about discourage. You may be different, but these are four areas I think that you'll relate to. Nehemiah, if I was to preach from the book of Nehemiah, I would bring out these four because these four uh, levels of characteristic of discouragement happen in the book of Nehemiah, which I spent way too much time in this week. <laughs> First of all, fatigue. A lot of times we get discouraged because we're so fatigued, we're so tired. When the body gets tired, everything else is affected. When you get fatigued, you get discouraged. 
you just start to go like, I'm tired. I feel like, uh, and you just, it's like a downwards spiral fatigue. Frustration is when you become weighted down. You get so discouraged because you're so weighted of all the gotta do's and all the responsibilities and accountabilities. And you got to do this, you got to do this. And all the weight's on you. And you start to really feel the pressure. You really start to feel the weight. You get frustration and then you get discouraged. Another one is fear. You get discouraged because you're consumed by worry. Jesus says, do not worry. Take heed of today. Do not worry, he tells us. Well, but pastor, it's easy for you to say not to worry. It's not your problem. Well, let me give you this. If you're worrying, what are you focused on? You're focused on your problem. Why don't we go back to the word of God, and when the word of God says that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, you have to ask yourself, what page are you going to focus on? Are you going to focus on your page, your thinking, your ways, or his ways? Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. <laughs> And the last one is failure. When you have failure, when something happens, uh, I've talked to quite a few people who've gone into business and the business and the work, and I talked to a lot of people in the business and the business and the work, but there's two different, two different type of people because this guy over here or this lady over here in the business that didn't work, guess what? They didn't quit. Now they're very, very in good shape. This one over here quit and said, forget it, I'm never going to do it again. You see, we get fatigued. We get, we get frustrated, we get fear, and we get failure, and we're consumed by negativity. If you continue to talk negative, if you continue to speak negative, negativity, if you continue to let negativity rule and reign, you're not focusing on God's word because you won't find anything negative, per se, to what God says about you in God's word. Amen. God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Look at your neighbor and say, I can see that. Good. Just tell God, I can see that. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> <laughs> People, the, the word of God also says that you're a peculiar people. <laughs> you can tell the other brother, yeah, you're a peculiar person. <laughs> let me tell you a few people in the, in the scriptures, let me tell you a few people in the scriptures who got discouraged. You know, people think the people in the scriptures, and I tell you this all the time, but people think the people in the scriptures, they think they're perfect. They think they're like, oh. They're not. They're just like you and I. They just were following God. They just had a love for God. There are people like you and I. Peter was just like you and I. Each one of them you could probably kind of adapt to because of their personality, but they're all different. But they're just people who, who were just in love in Jesus and were obedient and wanted to, wanted to live for God. Job, other than Jesus Christ, he's probably the only person in the Bible that suffered so much. But in the midst of his incredible suffering, the season went for a certain time, and then God blessed them double. Incredible, but, but Job went into depression. Job went into discouragement. Oh, my word, look what happened to the man. How about David? David's discouragement, oh, boy, many situations. Some he brought upon himself, and others, other people like Saul brought discouragement upon him. And sometimes, think about this, sometimes your actions will bring discouragement to your own life, your choice. But sometimes someone else will do something that can discourage you. So you got to be careful, like, you got to watch out how the discouragement comes into your life. Moses, he was another one that was discouraged and under great pressure. I want to talk about Peter today. And Peter was one that made some mistakes. If I said to you, give me one mistake Peter made, someone shout one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just one. We're not talking about some of the other ones. We'll mention a few. But Peter, Peter made a, quite a few mistakes that are recorded in Scripture. I think it's intentional. Not everybody's life is so bold in their mistakes, but I guarantee every, you go through it, many people in the Bible made some mistakes. How about Moses, the man of God, the man with the rod, the rod of God, Moses. Did he ever make a mistake? Yeah, he hit the rock, he killed an Egyptian. I mean, he's done some things. And people don't realize, people say, well, I've done some things. I say, oh, well, I'm, I'm a terrible person. Listen, we're all terrible people. If your person next to you don't know it, just tell them, hey, you're a terrible person without Jesus. <laughs> you're, all, you're all terrible people without Jesus Christ. He's the one that cleans you up. He's the one that makes you fill you up. Don't get me going. You see, Peter, Peter was devastated. Why was he devastated? Why was he discouraged? Well, Peter was discouraged because his Lord, his Savior, his best friend was crucified. And why was he disappointed? Well, 
One of his own friends, Judas, betrayed Jesus. But only betrayed Jesus, but betrayed Peter himself. And so he's really down. And of course, the, the moment that really hurt Peter real bad, that got him so discouraged, is when he was with Jesus for three and a half years. And when it came down to it, when it came down to it, he didn't just deny his Savior, his Lord, his friend one time. Not two times, but three times, all in one day. And when that all took place, he was discouraged because of why? His actions. But let's take, before we go to this moment, let's take it back to what happened to Peter when Jesus told Peter he would fail him and deny him three times. Because where love is in the word and not in deed. We can speak love with our words, but words are cheap. Someone say words are cheap. But your actions, now there's all the weight. John 13, 36, 38, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where am I going? You cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me, Peter? I tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. This takes place before the crucifixion. This takes place before Jesus dies on the cross. This takes place before he actually denies. And he says, I'm ready to lay my life down for you, Lord. Me and you, were like this. Where you go, I want to go. And Jesus says, I know you, Peter. You're not there yet, Peter. You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And sometimes we have a heart to want to do things. But the problem is in life is that discouragement comes. And it comes in so many ways. It comes by our own actions. It comes by actions of other people. It comes by um, those who are really close to us as well. And before you know it, before you know it, this, these actions and stuff, especially when we do things we know we shouldn't do. You know, we, we say something we shouldn't say. Uh, we don't do what we should do. And that sometimes is just a problem of not doing what we know what to do. And before you know it, the discouragement starts to fulfill the whole body and it starts to permeate everything that's, that's there. Now, I don't know about you, but discouragement that's exactly what happens. And Peter now is saying, hey, I'm going to die for you, but we're going to show you in a second here where he's going to just deny. Because you've got to realize Peter is a, a, a person that walked on water. Woohoo! You tell me another person who walked on water in Scripture. Real quick, who? Hey, he's the only one. When Peter got out of the boat, all the rest of the disciples stood in the boat. But he's like, hey, Lord, hey, let, let me come out to see you. Oh, come, Peter. Peter gets out of the boat. Now, I've done this in my boat. I've actually stepped on the water. I'm like, God, give me the faith to be able to walk on water, you know? You know what happened I did? I sunk. <laughs> and uh, because Jesus, you know, that wasn't the point. The point was the walk of faith, and that was just a, a moment there. Nevertheless, Peter walks on water, but be, he's also the same one that sees the storm, sees the wind, sees what am I doing, and then sinks like a rock because his name was Petrus, Petrus is a rock, so he sunk like a rock, Peter did. And so what did Jesus do? You dummy. You dummy. Did he do that? What did he do? Yeah, what's the word? He immediately picked them up. And then what they, they walked to the boat together. Mm, come on now, someone say they walked together. Come on. <laughs> they walked together. That's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk. With you, he wants a relationship with you because when we get discouraged, there's a solution to our discouragement, but we have to go to the Lord because things that take place all the time. The devil was having a yard sale one day, yeah, he was having a yard sale, he was selling all his tools. And there was all type of tools there that he, he used. You saw jealousy and you saw deceit and you saw lying and pride. And all of these were very expensive. But off to the side on a different table and all displayed was another tool of the devil. It was the most costly priced tool that was there. It was called discouragement. 
someone went up to the devil and said, why do you have that tool so separated and why does it cost so much? When the question went forth, he said, well, that tool is the most youthful tool that I have in my repertoire of stuff. And when I can't bring my victim down with any of the other tools that I have, I use my tool of discouragement because most people don't know I own that tool. Think about it. If the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy, what do you think he's going to do? He's going to rattle your cage, your mind, because where your mind is is where you travel. So if your thoughts are not on the thoughts of what God says, how can God work and change you if you're thinking on things that's contrary to what the truth is, contrary to what is the way? Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Someone say amen. amen. So I want you to get this. Peter walked on water, but he was also the one that sunk. I want you to know that Peter was this individual. He was the first one that said, you are the Savior, the Son of God, who has come into the world to save us all. And Jesus, you are so right. But he's also the one in the same paragraph where Jesus had to rebuke him. And say, get behind me, Satan. You do not have the mind of God, but the things of men. I mean, can you imagine one minute Peter's like right on target, and next minute Jesus is rebuking him. He was that type of character. That being said, let's look at our portion of Scripture today. Let's, let's just look at this person first. Look at this person. 1 John 3.18. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Be careful what we say. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions. Someone say actions. Let's look at John 18. John 18 is a powerful portion of Scripture that I want you to grab hold of in your heart. It says this, Simon Peter and another disciples were following Jesus because his disciples were well known into the high priest. He went out with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, this is talking about John, who was known to the high priest, came back and spoke to the girl on duty there and brought Peter in. You are not one of his disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. Look what it says. He replied, I am not. Someone say, I am not. That's the first time Peter denied that he even knew Jesus. He says, I am not. Let's move on to the paragraph a little bit more down. Again, as Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, you are not one of the disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. Say, I am not. See, once again, second time, same night, Jesus is being persecuted. He's about to go to the cross. Everybody is very much against Jesus. All the religious leaders have, have really, everybody's fearful of the religious leaders. Verse 26, one of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter cut off, remember that story, Peter cut off, and then Jesus healing this person in the garden of Gethsemane, challenged him, didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Again, Peter denied Denied it, and at that moment, what happened? The rooster began to crow. What the rooster did is, is, is squeal on Peter. Do you know why preachers eat a lot of chicken? We're still trying to get back at the rooster that turned on Peter. You know, it's so it's amazing how God knew this is exactly going to happen. You want to talk about a God who knows things? God told Peter that the rooster was going to crow, but before it crowed three times, he was going to deny. What happened? He denied the Lord something. He said, I'm willing to die for you, Lord, anywhere you go. And yet God said, you know what? You know what? You're going to deny me, Peter, three times, and then the rooster's going to crow. And Peter, of course, didn't. No way, Lord. No way, Lord. Just like we do sometimes. No way, Lord. I wouldn't do that. And we find ourselves sometimes doing the things that we say we wouldn't do. Because God has to be the source of our strength. I think we're all guilty. I think we're all guilty. All of us are guilty of not acknowledging who Jesus is in a relationship the way we ought to. I think all of us are guilty that sometimes we put ourselves first before we put the Lord first. But the Lord says, 
to us, I love you so much that I'm going to die for you. You know what he did? He put you first. He was the one that created the world. He was the one that created you. He was the one that created all that you see. And yet, because of sin in the Garden of Eden, Satan came in and caused the woman and the man to bite of that fruit. The only tree, someone said the only tree. The only tree said, God, God said, you can have anything in this garden, anything you want. Just do this one thing. Do not eat of this tree because if you eat of this tree, you're going to die. That was the only thing. But in the scheme of things, God knew, but God gave us volition. He made you a person who can choose. John. He didn't make you a robot. That's why you can choose to sin or you can choose to do righteous. It's your choice. You can't blame anybody else but you because you're in charge of your own will. Someone say amen. amen. Nevertheless, as you know the story, Adam and Eve affected all of us. And really, Adam and Eve ate us out of house and home. And uh, we now have sin that, that now rules us unless we have a Savior. And that's why Jesus came to be our one sacrifice once and for all so that now we can have right standing with God the Father. It's a beautiful, beautiful love story. I wanted to just uh, move on to this portion of Scripture. When discouragement leads us away from our purpose, when we get discouraged in our life, when you feel like this, when you feel like things are not clear, when you feel like things are just like this, you say, God, I'm really having a bad moment I'm really, I'm feeling, I'm feeling this, Lord. I think my cup's going to fall. I'm feeling this, Lord. When you're having a bad moment, you have to displace what you're feeling to know who your God is. And you can only do that. Once again, you can only do that. If you want to know the author, you have to read the book. So discouragement leads us away from our purpose. Look at John 21. And I want to read three verses here. Says this. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the sun by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way: Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan in Galilee, and the son of Zebedee, and the other two disciples were together. I'm going out fishing. That's a good phrase. I think that phrase is great. <laughs> I say that to myself a lot of times. <laughs> That's it. I'm going fishing. But then I look at my responsibility and say, I really can't. Simon Peter told them and said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but all that night, that night they caught nothing. Someone said they caught nothing. What happened here? They're discouraged. Jesus has now been crucified. They have watched him die. All their hopes are gone. And what do we do when our hope is gone? We go back to something that we know. We go back to something that, you know what, I'm going back to what I used to do. But there's a problem here. There's a problem because did not Jesus say to them, I'm going to make you fishes of men? Are they fishes of men? No, they were fishes of fish. Peter, James, and John, they were fishes of men. Andrew, they were fishes of, of, of fish. Excuse me, fishes of fish. They, 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 God says, no, I want to make you fishes of men. I want you to go for the souls of men. But when Jesus died, what did they go? They reverted right back to where they used to do. And so what happens? I'm, this is important for you to catch this. This is so important because Jesus meets them where they're at. Just say that. Jesus will meet me where I'm at. Go ahead. Jesus will meet me right where I'm at. He did for me. I remember where I was in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I remember where all of a sudden I was so far from him. I was, I'm, just, I'm, just so, I'm so unlikely to be a person to be a messenger of the Lord Jesus Christ because I was a space case. But don't laugh, laugh too much because you're a space case too. We're all space cases. And here the, they went out fishing and they caught nothing. And look what happens. God's hope and love dispels discouraged disciples. God's hope. God's hope and love dispels discouraged disciples. When you feel like this, when you feel like this, God has something for you. Just go to God. Someone say go to God. You have a choice. Who are you going to go? You know what I find sometimes? Listen to this. I find sometimes people go into people who don't have the answers. They're just as broken. Hey, listen, I'll be real straight with you. You've got a person who's on their fifth marriage and runs into a person who has a marriage problem, and they go to the person who's already had five. 
I don't know, I probably want to go to a person that's just maybe working on one. Maybe they know something. They're keeping it going. They, 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 you know, or maybe the one they can connect me to the one who created marriage. Relationships. Relationships are important. And how, what, what we do to grow in those relationships determines the sources. What sources are you going to go to? If you, need a, if you have a plumber pro, plumbing problem at your house, are you going to go to an electrician? You know? Uh, you're going to go to a dentist? You know, I'd be foolish. No, you go to the person who has the answers in that particular trade. The same thing in life. Do you want to go to someone over here, or do you want to go to one who made you, who knows you, who loves you, and has died for you? So that's why the first thing when I have problems, I always run up before I run out. I always run up. That's the place of running up. Look what it says here. Let's go. John chapter 21. Look at verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Yeah. He's like making a little jump. Have you, yeah, have you got any fish yet? You fishers of men you are. No, they answered. He said, throw the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of their large number of fish. I want you to stop for a moment, stop for a moment. They haven't caught any fish. Then Jesus tells them to throw it over. They're not sure who he is just yet. It wasn't until he did a miracle that they realized, oh, my word, it's Jesus. It's a little bit like Mary didn't recognize Jesus at the tomb right away until he, he heard, she heard his voice. But I want you to get this. This is really important, is that no fish were there, and then all of a sudden... They were obedient to do it. Well, you know, when you've been fishing, you're like, yeah, yeah, I've been done already. I don't want to throw that net one more time. Yeah. So they throw it in, and because they're obedient, so they say obedience. Obedience, obedience will fill my net. <laughs> Let's continue. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say this he it was the lord he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water the other disciples followed in the boat towing the net of full fish for they were far they weren't far from the shore about a hundred yards then they landed and saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread now that sound like a feast i want you to get this though Jesus meets them in their discouragement, and when he meets them in the discouragement, he has a fire going, he has some fish already on, and he has some bread. And eventually, they have an encounter. Because the disciples are so, so shocked that Jesus showed up. And sometimes we're shocked when God does something in such a miraculous way, but God's supernatural. Supernatural should be natural for those in the kingdom of God. It's a beautiful story. Because Jesus initiates the encounter, especially with Peter. This is important. Your Savior, Jesus Christ, has come to your shoreline. He has come to your shoreline of life and is offering you his peace, his grace, his forgiveness, and a hope. I want you to know, right now, those disciples are discouraged. And Jesus comes to their shoreline where they're fishing for fish because they should be also be fishing for souls but he meets them right where he comes to the shoreline but i'm like god is at your shoreline saying i'm going to take care of things if you just come to me i'm at your shoreline what is it if if god's at your shoreline how does it change you it's great to hear a story about what god did for someone else but god wants to do it for you and i believe that with all my heart there's many times in my life i thank god for being at my shoreline I said, even though when I felt this and I felt this and I know like God, I, but God, thank you because I know you are there. And then he does something so supernatural that reminds me of his strong hand. You know, the miracle of Easter is about the resurrection, but it really is a, a story of this great restore, um, restoration of relationships. It's beautiful. All the mistakes and all the shortcomings are covered by the Lord. And here, here is Peter arrives on shore, the fire is going, the fish are cooking, he got the bread, and there's Jesus greeting Peter, the one that denied him three times. I want you to get this. Jesus didn't yell at him, like maybe some of you would have when someone does something like that to you. Peter, Jesus didn't disown Peter. That's it, Peter. Huh? No, Jesus doesn't do that, Peter, does he? 
He offers them a meal. Fish, bread, and, and now he wants to have a conversation. It's amazing how wonderful it is. Look at this conversation that takes place here. Jesus loves, restores our hope. John chapter 21, look at that verse 10. Jesus said to them, bring me some of the fish you have caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net to shore. It was full of large fish, but even with so many, the net was not torn because of God. Jesus said to them, come and let's have breakfast. Just for those who know, they had fish for breakfast. How many of everybody had fish for breakfast? Hmm? None of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came. This is after resurrection now, so you're going to understand. He, more than 40 times in the Bible, he appeared after he died. And he rose from the dead and saw 40 times. And they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. Check this out now. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, listen, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Peter said, yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Again, Jesus said, Simon Peter, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, he said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you are younger, you dress yourself and went where you want. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. That end part there is describing how Peter died. Peter died a death that he was hung upside down by the room, by Roman, and he didn't want to die on a cross the way Jesus did. And so he asked to be hung on the cross upside down. They persecuted the church at that time. I want you to get this. I, I, I want you to understand something took place in this portion here, and you can only see it in the Greek, especially the word love. We love, we love our family. We love our friends. Uh, we love our spouses. Uh, we love pizza. And we use it all in the same love, L-O-V-E. But not in the Greek. Love is used differently. And every single time... When Peter responds to love, it's a different word love than Jesus' love that he uses. There's four types of love in Greek. The first one is storage. Storage is a, a love that parents have for their children. Uh, storage is a, so when I use I love my kids, it's that type of love type of level. So it's, the word is storage. Phileo, where Philadelphia comes from, is a brotherly love. It is a dear friend. It is a, a friend that you are close to. Phileo. Eros is a sexual love. That is a romantic love. The word we get erotic from comes from eros in the Greek. And then the last one is agape love. Unconditional, selfless, uh, sacrificial unconditional. This is a love that God was using every single time. When God said to Peter, he was saying, Peter, do you agape me? Do you sacrificially love me? And then Peter would say, yes, Lord, I phileo you like a dear brother that I would do anything for. And Jesus says, no, well, no, no, Peter, do you love me? Agape, do you sacrifice? Yeah, Peter, yeah, Lord, I phileo you. And every time he used the word brotherly love while God was using the word agape love, which is unconditional and selfish and sacrificial. I want you to get this. This is really important, is that God wants to do something in your heart, in your life. God's hope, God's hope is that you would grab hold of things in your life and in your heart. Peter responds honestly to the Lord. And he gets disappointed on the third time that God asks him the same question. 
but he wasn't really getting the depth of love that God loved Peter because Peter wasn't there yet. But Peter got there because at the end of his story, not only had he grown in his faith, but he was willing to actually die upside down for something he believed in because all of the disciples died terrible death because of the persecution of the church. And I'll be honest with you, that persecution is arising more and more in the United States of America. Because when you say this is sin, when you say these things are wrong according to what God says, people don't want to know that. They want to do what they want to do. So if you are a conviction to them, what do they want to do? Always, people always want to get rid of the people that speak in truth because I don't like that truth. They want, and what they did for Jesus, they did the same thing to Jesus. They didn't like that truth. So the religious people were jealous, and so they're the ones that put them on, on the tree. But ultimately, ultimately, we know that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. That's you and I. So it was part of God. Nobody killed Jesus. Jesus laid down his life because that was part of the plan. Essentially, Jesus has given Peter the opportunity to demonstrate his love for serving others. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep, Peter. Peter, keep your focus on while you're here to be a fisher of men. Peter never went back to fishing of fish anymore because something happened. Something incredible happened to Peter because God, Peter got a hold of God's word, got a hold of God's word. And as God's word started to go into Peter, something happens. Something happened to Peter little by little, little by little. God's word started to remember what Peter said. He kept on remembering all that God's going to do. And before you know it, before you know it, God starts to clean up, clean up, clean up, clean up. And all of a sudden, something starts to happen into the house. Because when you get the word of God in you and let the word of God flow in you, something wonderful takes place. He cleans us up. He cleans us up. God wants to clean us up on the inside. He wants you to get all that discouragement out. You say, well, pastor, I sometimes get discouraged. And I'm so, yeah, there's a little blue water in there. Just a teeny bit. You know why? Because sometimes we have moments. We know the truth of God, but we still choose to. And sometimes we don't let all God take care of. We always want to hold, we're always holding on to something. And because you hold on to, you're going to carry some discouragement with you. Jesus never carried discouragement for any of his situation. He was always burdened by the lack of faith that he saw. The lack of faith. God wants to do a work in you. But the question is, do you love him? If God was to come up to you, he would say to you, do you love me? Would you say, yes, Lord, I phileo you. I love you like a brother. Yes, I do love you. Or do you love him to say, I love you like just how you love me, sacrificially. You love me that while I was yet a sinner, you died for me on the cross. That messed my mind up when I realized the depth of God's love. That while this guy here, was so far from God. He loved me in all my faults. He loved me in all my failures. He loved me in all my mess. And because he loved me that much, that he was willing to take me in and then heal me and continuously to heal this body. And you see the great power of God working all of a sudden, it changes the way you are. You're no longer the same anymore because a touch of the master hand is an amazing thing because you and I are a masterpiece of God Almighty. And he's on your side. But if you want to focus on this stuff and all the stuff the world has, it's just going to fill you up, full of depression, full of discouragement. The enemy of your soul will use that tool on you all the time because you're not going to know the word of God. That's why I tell people, get in the word, get in the word. The word is a lamp unto your feet. That word is the very sword against the enemy of your soul, the devil. Oh, he's alive. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy. He's alive. But do you love him? Jesus asked you and I the same question. Do you love him? There is disappointment, there is discouragement, but the word of God will devour 
destroy that when you focus on God's word. You may have a problem, whatever that problem may be. You may have a problem, but I'm going to tell you something. When you take God and put him at the center, get in his word, spend some time in prayer. Let him speak to you. Let, the, let the, uh, God's word just share and speak to you. He will lead you because I'm telling you, we have a living hope. Someone say a living hope. Don't get me going. We are valuable to God. So someone right now, say it under your breath, say it out loud, and say, I am valuable to God. When you know you're valuable, when you know you're valuable, you are precious. And when you know you're valuable, hope can arise within you. As you hold on to promises every day, as you hold on to prayer every day, hope becomes something that you live in, not something that you know of. Joshua 1.9, God says to Joshua, the one who filled the shoes of Moses, an incredible man of God that did incredible feats. Joshua had to come behind him, and, and God says to Joshua, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Well, I could get me going right there. Because <clears throat> that's a promise. That's a promise. The song we sung, A Friend of God. Man, that song, that's more of a song to me. That's, that's a lifestyle for me. Not only do I want to be God's friend, but I want God to say, hey, Brian's my friend. It's important. It's important to get in the word of God. To put him first, because love does. Love does. What you love is what you do. What you love, you don't you do. I wanted to go fishing so bad yesterday, day before yesterday. I mean, I was in my bones. I wanted to be so bad. I was fighting everything, but I'm like, no, I got responsibilities. I got to do God first. So I'm praying when I finally get out there, I get a good one. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You got to put God first. You got to put God first. Love God with all your heart, mind, your soul, and your neighbor as yourself is the way to live. Let's pray. Let's go before Father. Close your eyes right where you are. If, if you could put me some music on, one. I, just, I want you just to think about what we said here. I want to talk about discouragement. I want you to think about, uh, you know, the discouragement that comes in our hearts, comes in our life, our battles that we face. You, you can't let the devil, you can't let the devil get a hold of you. You can't dwell upon those things. You can't allow your attitude to be affected. Your gratitude for God will affect your attitude in God. The more gratitude you have in your soul, the more gratitude you have in your soul, the greater your attitude will be because gratitude will always affect your attitude. God loves you. God loves you. Do you love him? And if you love him, it's love, is seen by, love is seen by what you do, not by what we say. Maybe you're watching online. Do you love God? I mean, have you, do you really love God? And here's the question. Have you asked the Lord to come into your heart and, and into your life? It's that simple. It's not about knowing about God. It's about a relationship. Many people can come to church and just sit like a lump on a log. And they go out the same way they came in because they don't apply what they hear. It's like a person going to school. They go to school, but they don't listen to anything the teacher says. Well, they're not going to learn. And I know that. That was me. But God is speaking. God is speaking to you. And you can hear his small voice. just speaking to you, speaking to you, he's speaking to you. And all you have to do is when someone knocks at the door, all you have to do is answer it. Because Jesus is, is constantly wanting us to know. And he's calling us, do you love me? Do you love me? So I want you to say, do you love God? Do you, do you want to make him your Lord? Do you make him your Savior? Are you ready to say, oh God, I'm ready to put my hands. I'm ready to be serious about you. I see what you did in Paul. I see what you did in Peter. I see what you did in Moses. I see what you did in Job. I see what you did in all through the scriptures. Lord, I want to be someone that you do something great in. So when all of a sudden I live my life, I got you to point to. I got you to say, God, I praise you because of what you have done in my life. When I didn't deserve it, you showed up, God, and you showed off.
If you're on the, online watching, you can accept Jesus Christ. Very simple. Just ask God to forgive you of your sins. You're here today. You can, you, it's a simple process of walking with God. The first step is saying, God, forgive me of my sins. God, forgive me. I've done it my own way. It's not religion that will save you. It's, a, it's the blood of Jesus Christ, the redemption of Jesus Christ that he did upon you on Calvary. It's the plan of God. That is what, that is what does it. That's, 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 the, that's the ticket. Uh, that's the red sauce. That's, that's it. Jesus Christ. And say, God, forgive me. I've sinned. Come into my heart. Come into my life. I choose you, God. I choose you. I choose you to follow you for the rest of my life. If that's you online, just raise your hand where you are. If that's you and you said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, come into my heart. And if you made that prayer, a simple prayer, but it comes from my heart. If you said that, just raise your hand. Say that, Lord, I made that prayer before the Lord. I made that prayer. Yes, yes. Anybody else? Yeah, prayer. Yes, yes, yes. Anybody else? That's the, most, that's, yeah, that's the most beautiful thing in the world is making Jesus first. Thomas, it's the most beautiful thing to make Jesus first. Dedicating 100%. He loves you, has a plan for your life. Can you stand to your feet? Blessed be his name. Can we give God some praise in the house of the Lord? I'm going to pray, but for those that raise your hands, I want to just pray with you. We're going to come down the front here. Just, just so you raise, each one of you raise your hands. Just come on down, and I want to pray with you. I want to ask God to just do a work in your heart and life that you continue to grow in Him. The best days of the rest of your life, the best days start today. God loves you. Father, I just pray right now that you would just do a work in each heart. And Lord, and individuals that were struggling with discouragement, I pray right now, Lord, if they need prayer, that they would come as well. Lord, I pray that you would do a work, Father. You would give, they would give no room for the enemy of their soul, any room to work, because they will fill it with your word. And so, Father, as we fill it with your word, your ways, your will, and we do your works, God, will you do a work, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Someone give God some praise in the house of the Lord. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in His church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.